Hey guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and that is Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the most premium, high-quality, science-backed products on the market in Australia today, and you guys can use the code TFLP to save 10% off your next order at unifyactive.com. Unify has a range of products, including whey protein isolate, plant-based protein, a pre-workout, creatine monohydrate, and their best-selling product, the Hydration Formula. So again, use that code TFLP to save 10% at unifyactive.com. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm joined again today by Kane Gleason, the, the producer of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Um, this is the third episode for the big dog. Welcome back, mate. I'm a regular now. I know. Get good. Maybe you can start hosting. Yeah. Yeah, Get you a DK Fitness hoodie and a hat and stuff like that. And yeah. You can take a break and yeah. I'll do my own spin-off. <laughs> How's the week been, man? What's what's news? Uh, busy week, um, as they all are. Um, actually, a few things I can't really talk about yet. We've um, had some some um, NDAs slide across the desk over the last week. So awesome. um, some, some cool things happening there um, around TikTok and... Um, uh, yeah, just around some other sort of rollouts of, from for some bigger clients. Awesome. Um, other than that, uh, got to see my family on the weekend, which was good. Haven't seen them for a while. Um, cruising along. What about you, mate? Much of the same, mate. Um, obviously, we, we released this week the, the podcast with Dylan and and Damo. And they got some really good responses from those. And just to just jump in quickly, just uh, say thank you to everyone who reached out um, for our our 400th episode um, that we recorded. We got some good feedback from that and that was super enjoyable. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've got some really exciting guests coming up still as well, which is which is awesome, which I'm looking forward to. But yeah, mate, this week, just the usual, man. A few curveballs here and there business-wise. Um, pushing out as much content as possible. And on, those lo- on that topic, actually, for anyone listening to this episode, we'd love to hear um, from you guys in terms of which episodes or which structure of episodes you guys are enjoying most, like whether you like these ones with Kane and I, um, whether you enjoy the real specific solo ones where I'm talking about a topic in particular or whether you're kind of enjoying the, the guest episodes. We'll always keep a bit of a mix. Um, but even from the content side of things, um, outside of the podcast, I'm obviously trying to push as much as I can with some content across IG, TikTok, um, email list and, and everything along those lines. Um but yeah, it's like a never-ending battle. It just feels like like content feels like a full-time job, which few it is. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. So so much of the same. But I did put out a bit of content this week, which which got some really good feedback um, through my email list and through Instagram around how I would structure a fat loss phase. Like I, um, you know, ever since I started in the, taking my training and stuff seriously, I've gone through so many different fat loss phases and then gaining phases and you just learn bits and pieces along the way along with obviously plenty of the educational stuff that I've done as well and you kind of just build up this bank of knowledge around how to properly structure it I think for most people when it comes to like this time of the year obviously here in Australia nearly summer so people start to get a bit anxious around trying to trying to get a good rig for summer um, and 
unfortunately, I mean, think like podcasts, podcasts and stuff are amazing, but the fact that there is so much content online now, whether it's through social media or podcasting and whatnot, and so much conflicting information, it makes it super difficult. Um, and a lot of people just get stuck in, you know, paralysis by analysis of, of what they should do or hop from one thing to the next, one fad um, to the other. Um, and, you know, Kane was mentioning to me before we started that he's looking to ramp up his training and whatnot and, and, and nutrition side of things and everything. So, I mean, I thought we could probably just go through, you know, I said before, almost like a live coaching call, but kind of just talking around the structure of how to go from wherever you are right now, regardless of whether you've been training consistently or not, what your nutrition is right now and, and, and how to actually progress that into a, a well-structured fat loss phase. Because the thing that I, I want most people to understand is that fat loss is not – on paper, fat loss is not difficult. Adhering to the, the principles to achieve it, it can be difficult, obviously, because we're always doing – putting your body in a position it doesn't want to be in. That's how, how your body changes. But so many people just make things so much harder than what they need to be and, and almost like overcomplicate pretty much every aspect of it to the point where it's not sustainable, it's not enjoyable, and it's not something that, that, that needs to be done. In, if in, that makes sense. In your experience, how do your clients make it harder than it needs to be? Like as a as a real life example. Yeah. Well, the, the most basic or the most common real life examples is on the nutrition front. Just dropping uh, two things: dropping calories way too low, um, which people think is a good idea because in those initial few weeks you do lose a lot. Yeah. But that, of course you would because if you go from just a rough example, let's say you've gone from eating 3,000 calories a day to 1,500, of course you're going to lose weight. But over, you know, overdoing it with the calorie deficit side of things, so not only will you be, be very lucky to lose muscle mass in that process, but you'll also hit a plateau a lot quicker and then it becomes very hard to continue seeing progress once you've hit that plateau because you've almost bottomed out, yeah. particularly with the nutrition. The other thing is just being overly restrictive. So... You know, I spoke about the other day on, on social media again about how I approach my nutrition. I've obviously talked about it on the podcast a lot, but, you know, in an in a ideal world, yes, it'd be great to have everyone just follow um, a nutritional approach where they're eating in a calorie deficit, every single one of their meals is nutrient-dense, whole foods, everything is just kind of perfect and optimal health is, is the goal. But let's be honest, no one, no one can stick to that for the rest of their life. No. I don't think so. Even, you know, even the most dedicated and disciplined people should you know and you don't want to do that you want to be able to still enjoy your life so being overly restrictive particularly with what foods are eating so people just have this impression that there's good and, f- and bad food now obviously there is foods and drinks that are more nutrient dense than others and more you know whole foods and, and have way more micronutrients and, and much better for your health um, but when it comes to body composition so how your body looks and your body fat percentage it's largely irrelevant um, and and I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that everyone should just eat shit as long as they stick to their calorie targets yep. because, you know, I've used an analogy before, but if you treat your body like a sports car and you, if you, you feed your sports car shit fuel, the cheapest fuel, fuel you can buy, it's going to eventually break down or probably not run as efficiently as what it should. Same as our body. So although we want to aim to get majority of our calories from nutrient-dense foods, there's no, there's no rule saying that when you want to lose fat, you need to cut out everything you enjoy. So whether that's you know, a bit of ice cream after dinner, whether it's a wine on a Friday night, whether it's a, you know, as far as milk in your coffee, like people just have this impression that when they want to lose fat, they need to cut out all the things that are enjoyable or, or more pleasurable just to see results, but it's just not the case. So my approach has always been 
and we'll get into this, but my approach has always been 80 to 90% of my calories should come from, you know, your healthier, nutrient-dense foods because I want to look, I want to feel good, want my body to function well, sleep well, recover well, good skin, all that type of shit. But um, just because I'm trying to lose fat doesn't mean that I can't have a drink or it doesn't mean that I can't go out for dinner with friends or completely shut off and have a shit social life just so I can get in shape because what's the point? Yeah. You know, it's like... Why would anyone want to just give up their whole life just to look good for maybe a week or two and then not actually change any of their habits and then go back to exactly what they're doing before? So my whole approach with particularly nutrition when I work with clients is to, and I say this a lot, is that your training and your nutrition should revolve around your lifestyle, not the opposite way around. So if your whole lifestyle has to change just to get in shape, just so you can adhere to your nutrition and your training, then not only is it not sustainable, but... I just don't see the point. So I, I used this example a while back. Like if I said to you for the next three months, you had to, um, let's see, save up as much money as possible, not spend any money outside of like the bare minimum of stuff that you need. And then in three months you would get a brand new car. Mm. But after two weeks, I'm going to take the car back. Yeah. Would you, for the next three months, would you even bother saving all this money? Would you, would you bother changing your lifestyle to just have this car for one week? Yeah, yeah, it's not a most people wouldn't. A, yeah, it's not a it's not something that sounds attractive. Nah, so so if you can instead of doing something that's not sustainable, even though on paper it may be the best option, if you can find an approach where you're able to still enjoy the food and drink you you enjoy you like the most, um, if you're able to train in a way that's enjoyable and actually change your habits so that you're never on or off a diet or on or off a program, then not only is it going to be more enjoyable, but your results will last a lot longer. And, and all of a sudden you become in charge. So when I, when I first understood nutrition and training properly, it was like this massive aha moment where I've gone from hoping I would see results mm. or guessing my way to results or just hoping this program or this, this diet worked for me to being in complete control to the point where now if I'm like, all right, I want to get serious about uh, losing body fat, it's very simple. I, I know exactly what I need to do to do that. Um, if I want to put on weight and gain some muscle mass, I know exactly what I need to do to do that. So half the time, people are, uh, are in such high stress high stress states from high cortisol levels because they're s- still second-guessing whether or not what they're doing is right. So very long answer, but the nutrition side, dropping calories too low, restricting themselves, overly restricting themselves because obviously there's some form of restriction because you're in a deficit. Mm. Um, you need to be, otherwise you will not lose body fat. Um, regardless of how healthy you eat and then on the training side is going way too hard too early yeah <clears throat> so going from having no real structure or bit or maybe not training that much to then training six seven days a week you see it all the time with a lot of the challenges and stuff people are doing two you know whether it's a group fitness yeah. gym or whatever people are doing two classes back to back all this type of stuff with the mentality of more is better yeah. or the mentality of like the the harder I push myself and the more um, fucked up this program is, it's almost like a badge of honour of like, oh, no, like I've done more than anyone else for the, the last eight weeks. But again, if it's not something that you're going to continue to do after the eight weeks, then why why do it at all? So if it's not something you know you will do for the rest of your life, in my opinion, there's no point doing it. Unless, of course, you are a professional athlete or if it requires you to do something for a specific event or circumstance or whatever, like there probably will be times people need to do it. But for the average person listening to this at the moment, it's not required just to see results. And, you know, this is the most enjoyable part about the clients I work with, particularly online, is that like one of the comments I get so often is like, I can't believe how easy 
this really is now that I'm, I'm following this approach properly or almost like disbelief that they're seeing results every week while still having a wine on the weekend or, or like I said, still eating out if they want to, whatever. And, and that's exactly the way it should be because when your cortisol levels are lower because you're not stressed and when you're confident with what you're doing and you're enjoying the process, the results are always going to be better. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so that would be the biggest mistake that so many people make and, and we can kind of go into detail about how, how I would structure it um, today. But, but yeah, so it's people just need to change that mentality from, you know, pairing fat loss with suffering. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't have to be that difficult. If a client comes to you and says, like, you know, I've got a holiday that I want to look great for, mm-hmm. do you steer them away from the holiday being the end goal to let's get healthy, let's get like that sort of that sort of outlook rather than, you know, let's get you in the best shape of the life for, your, for the holiday? Um, yes and no, because for some people, especially initially, they kind of need that, yeah. that little goal. That goal to work towards and that's what's really driving them to actually stick to the principles I'm trying to teach them. So... Typically what happens is, yes, like I'll allow them to keep that as their goal in mind, but as the, as the journey goes on and as they get closer or by the time they get to the holiday, yeah. they've usually come to the realisation that what we've done to get there is not that hard and even while they're on holiday, they can continue doing it. And, and because it has been so sustainable and because by the time they get to the holiday, they don't feel that deprived that they completely change yeah. everything that they've been doing because that's, the that's the other problem is that like if I'm – if I'm following a nutrition a nutritional approach for let's say twelve weeks, I want to try and get lean over a twelve week period. And from week one, I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat after week twelve. Mm. Then, then there is no point to that because by the time the twelve weeks is done, I will go back to doing exactly what I was doing before, and my habits haven't changed whatsoever. Haven't really learnt anything that that is going to give me the tools to keep staying in shape and whatnot. So. Again, I've used this this analogy before, but it's like a volume dial. So yeah, at the moment, gonna, for me in particular, because it was big for me to hear you say that. Like yeah, to go from the on-off switch mm-hmm. to a volume dial. Yeah, um, I think it's just something simple that people can can really understand that it isn't. I'm I'm all in here. You know, chips are in the middle. It's now or never. Yeah. To like, I can amp up and down yeah. phases of my life when I need yeah. to, um, in order to feel my best. Yeah, and with that holiday example, like like for myself at the moment, for example, my volume dial is not that high. So, yes, I'm still training consistently. Yes, I'm I'm still eating enough protein and eating relatively well. Um, still doing all the habits that I would do if I was full serious, but they're just not as dialed in as what they will be when I decide to lose fat. So, let's say in a month or two time, I decide to lose fat. All of a sudden. I'm still eating very much the same stuff that I'd be eating now, but I'm a lot more precise with how much of it i'm having or I'm, I'm grabbing out my fitness pal and tracking everything properly um i'm you know I, i'm really making sure that i'm tracking every single workout or I, i'm not allowing myself to have any days where i'm not reaching my water intake or i really start to look at how much sleep i'm getting and, and whatever but to be honest that's really the only thing that really changes is the nutrition side of things yeah. so yeah with like again with that holiday um, aspect it's like if i can get someone to understand the volume dial yeah. then the volume dial stays all the way up until they get to the holiday and although while they're away the volume dials down they're still doing all the things i were doing in the lead up to it but just a lot more relaxed so my typical advice for when someone does have something like that like a holiday it's like all right well we, you know we've been eating, been eating x amount of calories on average per day 
don't worry about how much you're having while you're away, but still try and reach your protein intake yeah. for me. Make sure you tick off your water. If you have a chance to train, you know, it's obviously most likely going to be less than what it usually would be, but maybe try and get a couple of full body sessions done and just try and retain your strength. Um, you know, and because they haven't been so deprived over that period in the lead up, they don't get on holiday and go like, fuck, I am just going to annihilate all this food that I've been yeah. missing or going to just drink myself silly the whole time away because I haven't had a drink for the last 12 weeks. And that, that mindset and that relationship with food and training is a game changer. Yeah. You mentioned some, um, some non-negotiables when your, um, when your dial is down. Mm. What are some things that, that you can suggest to people that are non-negotiables no matter where your diet is? I know you mentioned water and protein. Yeah. There. What are some things that are like, you know, dial can be at the lowest it is, but yeah. you still have to sort of do these things. Mm. What would they be? Well, it depends on what your goal is. Like I've been doing this for so long now, I'm usually pretty good at having a rough idea of how much I'm eating without having to grab my fitness palette out out although i still use it when i am trying to lose fat but the non-negotiables like i tell people to work in ranges more so than specifics so if if i know that to maintain my weight let's say my volume dials down and i'm trying to maintain weight and just a rough example again but say it's like 2500 calories to maintain weight if i stay within the range of say 23 to 2700 even though it's quite a big variance in there there's no real fucking discipline required to do that because it's quite simple there's no stress around making sure i hit a certain number i'm still trying to reach my protein minimum because it's essential regardless of whether you're losing fat or not um so i'm still reaching my protein i'm still trying to get in enough water and even when my training's kind of down a little bit like i'm obviously still training with some form of intent and 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 depends what the goal is but a lot of people just don't realize that when the volume dial is maybe down because you're not trying to lose fat if you're someone who is um, serious about seeing changes in your body, the progress is made when the volume dial is down yeah. to an extent. So when I'm in a surplus or maintenance, that's when I'm going to be able to build muscle tissue. So training, that's why I said before, training should stay pretty sa- pretty much the same um, year round. Um, but yeah, they're kind of the, neg- the non-negotiables. And I, and I have a bunch more that I've added in more so for my mental health as well, like the meditation and journaling and all that type of stuff. But it's just really not that difficult, and, but yeah. Anyway, so so what what are you currently doing at the moment? Um, I train probably about three times a week, mm-hmm. um, all strength days at the moment. So there's a um, there's a deadlift day in there, a squat day, uh, and then a chest and arms at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. There's the opportunity to uh, do a like two sort of cardio classes on yeah. the Tuesday Thursday, um, and I just haven't been. Um, and I went back to one the other day and it was mm-hmm. pretty ordinary. Brutal. Yeah, it was pretty ordinary. Um, and uh, strength, I'm pre- I, I maintain pretty well. Yeah. Um, it's it's everything outside of the gym for me. Like it's eating, yeah. consistency. I don't drink a whole heap. I'm not a huge drinker. It's just like sheer the amount of stuff that I put in my mouth. Yeah. Like it's f- heaps. Yeah. Um, that's the issue. And that's, that's going to be my <laughs> biggest challenge as I get older too because – there's just going to be more weight to put on. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's, I just having a chat with Ames and, and it was sort of like, yeah, it's it's time to do something about it now that work's settled down and mm. we're pretty happy there. It's, it's Got a good flow. Yeah. yeah. And before we keep going, just quickly though, like this is the beauty of having the habits and just having the volume dial up or down is that 
even in those periods where work is super busy and whatnot, like the thing is you just don't want everything to be a complete shock to your system. So if you have to go from, as you said before, on or off switch where you go from nothing to everything, mm. it's super difficult. And, and, and as I said before, it's not something that you, you will find it very difficult. And the other problem with people going from nothing to training every single day or doing double sessions is the likelihood of injury, the likelihood of losing motivation super quick because it's just over the top type of thing. But I'll go through you I'll go through with you now if you're happy to do it. Yeah. Like sure. exactly like how I would kind of figure out what your kind of roadmap would be. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So before I ask these questions, I'll I'll kind of um, preface with I initially in a fat loss phase, you want to start with with food as high as possible. Mm-hmm. I'll give some context to this in a second. Food as high as possible and training as low as possible. So, And the reason for that is because you will inevitably reach a a plateau in a fatless phase because we have metabolic adaptation and and you will reach a point where your body gets used to what you're doing and the progress will stall. So when I say food as high as possible, I mean just below maintenance intake Mm -hmm. So, or or just below where you're currently eating at the moment. So then you've got weight a lot more room to move as as we do reach a plateau in bringing the food down. And then with training as low as possible, what I mean by that is you want to figure out how many sessions you can do on a shit week when things are hectic with work. So if it's three sessions, it's three sessions. If it's four, it's four. If it's two, it's two, whatever it may be. And initially they are purely based around resistance training, for me anyway, in my opinion. So um, and, And that doesn't have to mean that it's low intensity. Like these resistance sessions can be quite high intensity as well because... It's important to understand that energy output is achieved by anything we do. We could just move a fuckload of boxes for the next hour and burn more calories than what we would go in for a 3K run, you know? So it's like don't see what you're doing with your training as, you know, kind of if people look at strength training quite often and go, well, I'm not going to burn any energy. But if, you do, if you're training properly and sticking to rest periods, you should burn a fuckload. So strength, the strength training is the first thing that we would put in place. Um, so how many sessions do you reckon you could do on a shit week? Three. Three. All right. So your, your baseline to begin with would be three sessions. Do you know, have any idea of how many calories you'd be eating at the moment? Oh, um, anywhere between oh, oh, calories. Um, maybe 25 to 4,000. Right. Let's go with, let's just, let's just for the sake of the example, we'll, start, we'll say 3,000 is how much you've been having yep. recently, right? So, the initial thing we need to do... Oh, and then lastly, are you using any subs? No. No subs at all. Are you open to using them? Yeah. Cool. All right. So, the first thing you need to figure out is the nutrition side of things, in my opinion. So, 3,000 calories, let's, we'll use that as an example of what you've been having at the moment. So, that's, that's either allowed you to maintain weight, if not gain some weight at that point. So, the initial drop from that, I usually make like a decent size drop from your, your current intake. And for anyone listening, if you know exactly how many calories you're having on, on a daily basis at the moment, it makes it a lot easier. If not, there will be a link in the show notes to my um, flexible dieting guide with a bit of a formula to, for you to figure out what your maintenance is. So to go into a deficit, and initially it doesn't have to, may not even be an actual deficit if you've been gaining weight at the amount of calories you're having. So from 3,000, I would drop straight down to around 26, 2,600. So it's a 400-calorie drop from on average of what you've been having at the moment. So even if that is around maintenance or may still be slightly above maintenance, because you're you're reducing it, you will see an initial drop. Typically, it's a, a drop in water in uh, water retention that your body's holding. You'll definitely see a little bit of body fat reduction as well. But that's the starting point. 
The second thing you need to figure out is your protein intake. So roughly how much you weigh at the moment? 96 kilos. 96. So I usually say around two grams of protein to two and a half grams per kilo of body weight. So for the example, just go 200, 200 grams of protein. So you have your calorie intake you, you're going to um, aim for at 20, 2,600. Protein minimum of 200. Now your carbs and fats ratio... I used to track it very um, specifically, so I'd have a certain amount of carbs, a certain amount of fats that I would aim for. Over the years, I've kind of figured out that it doesn't make that much of a difference, and it also adds a bit of stress, and, and it makes things a little more difficult to stay on track for the client or for whoever I'm working with. So for me, it's just aiming for the 2,600 cals, or at least close enough to it, at least 200 grams of protein, and anything above that is fine, and then your ratio of carbs and fats can be whatever you like. Now, my opinion is to use an app such as MyFitnessPal and for anyone who's kind of um, comes back to me with, well, I just fuck, I can't fuck doing that or I don't want to use an app, I'm like, well, you, you don't want to see results because you, most people, let's be honest, would spend at least an hour a day on some form of social media on their phone, I would say. Yep. Most people would. So if you're not willing to spend two or three minutes a day using an app to make sure you 100% see results, then you're not that serious about your goal. Now, so the next thing with the nutrition is obviously, as I've mentioned, the, the, the quality of the food you're eating. So you don't have to be specifically, you know, 80 or 90% and, and figure it out to an absolute T, but everyone's kind of just use common sense pretty much. Like aim to mainly eat majority of your food from the healthier um, options and the amount of meals you have when you have those meals is completely up to you. So... When people talk about intermittent fasting or, or having six meals a day compared to three or four or whatever it may be, if your total is the same at the end of the day, it pretty much means fuck all. The only difference is that if I'm only having, say, one or two meals, then my muscle protein synthesis is not being kind of like switched on as often throughout the day. So I typically try and get people to have three as a minimum, yep. three meals. But when you have them, how much you have in each one, what time of the day it is, what ratio of carbs and fats you have in any of those means absolutely fuck all so for anyone listening that is the last thing you should be worried about the only things you should be thinking about initially is your calorie intake your protein minimum aiming to eat majority food from from healthier options um and and i i often try and get people to have at least one or two servings of of um fibrous like vegetables as well and if possible try and have at least one or two pieces of fruit but that's just my opinion you guys can do whatever the fuck you want um, so that, that's the nutrition side of things that's, and that's taken care of already. The second thing is training. You mentioned you want to do three sessions a week initially. Yep. The, the split that you do obviously is completely up to you. I typically lean towards trying to target each muscle group twice a week if possible. So if it's a three-day split, it might be upper, lower and full body. Whatever you're doing at the moment is whatever. It's fine. Fine, whatever you choose to do. So that's, that's all sorted right from the start. So initially you will see, see progress straight away. You will have to because you are eating below where you've been eating already. So your body is going to have to adjust and that will typically lead to a loss, a loss in water retention and, and hopefully some form of body fat reduction as well. Now, once you inevitably reach a, a plateau, which will happen, you've kind of got two options and it's super simple. And this is, this is why I'm so like adamant on tracking your intake, at least loosely, because again, it takes a guesswork out of it. If I have someone who's just eating well, eating healthy and training hard, when they see a plateau, what the fuck do you do? Eat more well or <laughs> eat more well or train more hard. But that's the problem is like no one – you don't know why or why, why you are or why you aren't seeing results. So we hit a plateau. 
you've been eating 2,600, you're training three times a week, it becomes very simple. We need to increase the, the, the negative energy balance that you've already created. So to do that, we either slightly reduce calories and because we started quite high, that becomes very easy compared to starting at say 3,000, dropping all the way down to 1,500 or 1,800. So you can literally go from 26 to 2,500. Over the span of the week, it's a 700 calorie drop. So if I'm bringing my calories down to 2,500 or you might want to go a little lower if you want it to be a bit quicker for the fat loss, it might be 24. Or the other option is to increase your output. So when I say increase your output, that could mean an extra day in the gym. It could mean adding cardio. And when I when I add cardio for someone, it's typically quite small. So it might be a, a short hit session, like very short, 10 to 15 minutes, or it might be a longer steady state, steady state session. But you're only adding one thing at a time and a very small amount of whatever option you choose. Fat loss will, will kickstart again. And again, you'll reach a plateau. But if you go back to what I said right at the start around starting with food high and training low, this process can can be a rinse and repeat cycle until you're happy with how you look and it becomes relatively easy because you're only starting with three sessions a week, yeah. which is pretty doable for most people. Yeah. You're starting with 2,600 calories, which is still a lot of food. As you go through the fat loss phase, you, you'll kind of get in a habit of choosing more um, high volume, low calorie options. So then you, you're filling that 2,600 with things that will actually fill you up. You know, For most people who have been in a surplus or just not tracking, chances are, you, you may find it quite easy to eat 3,000 calories, but it's purely because of the options that you're choosing because they're yeah, so sure. calorie dense. Yeah, that's, that's the issue at the moment mm. is that there's just the, the options that we're allowing ourselves to choose. Yeah, exactly right. So as you can see, like if you look at it that way, it's just like a bit of a balancing act. It, it becomes very simple. It's whenever we hit a plateau, it's one of two options, reduce intake or increase output. And that process just rinses and rinse, rinses and repeats. Fuck. <laughs> but... The other thing I would say is is to not be so reactive. So allow your body actually time to 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 make the change. So there will 100% be weeks where you don't see any progress. But after a few days or one week of not seeing any progress, don't just jump the gun and and make a quick change yeah. because you're, you're you're stressed out. And that comes back to allowing yourself enough time to actually see the result. So I always try and say for people to give themselves more time than they think they they want or need to get in shape so that when the inevitable happens, whether it's getting sick, whether it's a a niggle in the gym or whether you've got a couple of weeks where you're plateauing and not seeing results, you've got time, you don't have the stress to make, you don't make stupid decisions with food or training that will lead to muscle loss or, or just a shit lifestyle because you're restricting yourself so much. But throughout that process, I mean... I don't know, well, what are your thoughts? I mean, does that sound super difficult to you or pretty easy? No, not at all. And especially when, like, I'm not someone who has, like, a wedding in 10 weeks. Or yeah. More. Like, this is just getting back to a lifestyle that I uh, feel better mm-hmm. about. So, like, it's not like I have to be, you know, stage ready in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. in 10 weeks' time. Like, it's, it's, it's more so about, uh, yeah, just feeling better every day and, and mm. um, allowing myself to... Um, to get back to something where I'm comfortable with and happy yeah. with. And, and I think as well, like if, let's say you're two months down the track and you're eating 23 or 2400, you might be training four times a week. Like that's still a, a very attainable and, and easy thing to, to stick to. Yeah. So the likelihood of you continuing on or the likelihood of you not just kind of giving up is so much higher because it's not that difficult to achieve those results. And as you start to see more, obviously the motivation stays very high. I want to just quickly talk 
about the nutrition again because there's a couple other things we can do um, throughout that process. So the first one is something that I do pretty much with every fat loss phase is I will have uh, lower and higher days with my intake. So if we go back to, uh, again, starting with um, the the 2600. So this is how bad I am at maths. 2600. You can't be the worst person in the room at maths. Oh, trust me so across a span of seven days that's 18,200 calories we can split the 18,200 up however we like as long as the weekly average is the same so one thing that i will usually do is i'll try and have one at least one day which is much higher than the rest reason being uh mentally it's an easy thing to kind of um, stay motivated for it's kind of like you look forward to that day especially as you get deeper into a deficit and you've got that higher day to look forward to Um, physically in the days following that higher calorie day, you will most likely increase your output from better training sessions, better sleep, um, better mood and whatnot. So if you've got 2,600, uh, it's as simple as dropping 100 calories from six days, so going down to 2,500 across the span of six of those days. So you've taken 100 off, so you've kind of banked up 600 calories that you've taken away. On the seventh day, you just add them all on top of your initial 2,600. Where do you generally put that in the weekend? Completely up to you. I think for most people, it'd most likely be around the weekend yeah. where they're more likely to be get a bit more social and whatnot. If you're someone who's not interested in the social side of things and you're very adamant about just sticking to the plan, I would say either on or on the day of or the day before your hardest session for the week. So typically the day before the hardest session because then your glycogen stores are going to be quite full and, and whatnot. Where do you put it normally? Um... I, I typically put it around the weekend, to be honest, yeah, so I can still maintain some form of social life. So then you get this day all of a sudden where you've gone from 2,500 for six days um, and then you've got a day where you're eating 3,200 yeah. on, a, on, on a seventh day and it feels like you're not dieting at all, feels like you're not in a fallacious phase at all. You're able to basically do whatever the fuck you want, eat what you want that day without blowing out pretty much. Um, so it's so much easier to adhere to as you go. Yeah. And and it's a, it's something that I do quite often. And that could be two high days, yeah. could be whatever you want. You could drop your lower days even lower to make the seventh day something fucking outrageous. Yeah. And that would, be, that would be really beneficial for someone who is a short-term goal setter too. Like it's something yes. that people can look forward to yeah. literally every week. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing I will mention, again, I don't want to make it to give people too, too much to think about, but... When we made that initial drop, so say we went from 3,000 to 2,600, if you're someone that really struggles with that motivation side or really struggles if they don't see results straight away, another tactic or strategy we can use is making quite a big jump initially or quite a big drop. So we might go from 3,000 down to 2,200, right, which is an 800-calorie drop, which is a lot, way more than what I would usually do. And you may do that for, say, four weeks, maybe four weeks max. Yep in that four weeks, you're going to lose a lot of body fat. Once you've lost that initial big jump and you're really motivated, you're starting to see changes in your body, you've got into a good routine with everything, bring them slightly back up again. So you're still in a deficit. We might bring them up to 2,500. And that'll kind of keep us on track with being in a deficit, but it'll also make sure we don't lose muscle mass. And it, it allows people to stay motivated because they've seen such significant physical changes straight up. Because let's be honest, a lot of people want results yesterday. So even though the slower approach is way more sustainable and, and going to give you far better results in the long term, yeah. 
for those that are kind of very, you know, want it now, um, as you said, kind of short-term goal setters, that can be a really good approach as well, which will allow you to then stay motivated deeper into the to yeah. the deficit as well. Yeah, you can see the benefit in someone seeing immediate the results and then mm. sort of... And for any trainers out there that have clients like that, that really struggle to not see anything, this is a great strategy because you get them to buy in straight away. Yeah, it might help their retention rate a little bit more too. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So that's basically it. I mean, it, it is not that hard. Um, again, just turning the volume dials up, trying to be as disciplined as you can with all those kind of steps. Obviously, water intake is a big one. I don't usually like to say how much in particular people should be drinking, but I, I usually give a few guidelines and if anything, just more than what you're drinking at the moment in terms of water. Um, and it's as simple as that. It's really not that difficult. For the trainers listening, mm-hmm. do you have any strategies that you can help sort of coach um, uh, coach their clients through when things might start to get a little bit tough around the, the weight loss phase or plateauing or anything like that where they can um, where you can help them get through those those conversations around you know I'm not losing anything anymore like mm. maybe they're thinking about stepping away or doing something else well, the way it's measured is, is really important as well. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge advocate for scale weight, but for someone that's trying to lose a significant amount of weight, initially um, that can be a great indicator of making sure they see progress. you kind of got two different types of people. One person who will be okay with whatever the number is in the scales and the other person that could have a week where they've done everything perfectly, they fucking look amazing, they feel amazing, they're getting compliments from every single person in and out of the gym but the number on the scales isn't what they want it to be and they'll fucking lose their shit. So the first thing with the scales is that you should be taking an average, not just once a week on a random time of the day in a fucking random scale when after you've just eaten Chinese food and you're fucking holding two kilos of water. So every single morning on an empty stomach after you've been to the bathroom, do that every single morning, take a weekly average and that's going to give you a, a better indicator of where the progress is trending. My favourite way of tracking, though, is progress photos. Yeah. Similar thing. Um, same time, every single week under the same conditions after, the, been, after you've been in the bathroom first thing in the morning, literally in front of the same mirror, same lighting, whatever. Because they're definitely, it's inevitable that there will be weeks where you, the progress does stall, even when we're making these little alterations with training and, and, and food. But if you're able to go back and say, like, you know, have a look at this photo in comparison to last week's or this week's photo from two months ago to now, this is the changes you've made because if you know everyone knows you spend every day in your own body, it's yeah. quite hard to see the changes you're making sure. um, over time. Um, measurements as well, so things like waist measurements, but even down to like the way clothes are fitting and stuff as well is, is a big one. But if someone's been in a in a deficit for a long period of time, so let's say it's been like three months of your client for someone listening who's a trainer, if your client's been in a deficit for three months and they are at the stage where they are looking pretty lean where they've got a little bit more they want to lose and whatnot you can do other strategies like things like diet breaks which is literally like where you bring in the the client's calories up to around maintenance for a week Mm. um so in that week even though their food's higher they'll most likely lose fat because their energy output will be so much higher their stress levels drop their their body's recovering a lot quicker their training sessions are going to be much better so they should be burning more energy when they train as well and then bringing them back down and obviously mentally it's great to have that little bit of a break as well but i think for anyone who kind of follows the approach we've talked about it's going to be very rare that you have someone that that does 
kind of get to the point where they're just like ready to pack it in because they've been able to do it in a way that doesn't feel that difficult. They've been gradually seeing progress over time. But you're always going to have someone who, who feels that way. Yeah. Um, so it's just encouragement and, and getting them to look back on the progress they've already made. Um, you know, maybe you do throw in some form of, of alterations with their training, such as adding in some really short bursts of hit training at the end of some of their sessions to just increase their output a little bit or, or whatever. Um, but just try not to do anything too drastic. You mentioned the mental aspect of it um, just briefly then. Is there anything that you put around their training um, in terms of just health and wellness generally that, that you find help people either stay motivated or just become better um, mm. in this sort of fat loss phase? Yeah, in or out of a fat loss phase, I, I really do try and push the journaling thing. Um, and that can journaling can be come in any form. And actually, I want to, in the next couple of weeks, record a, an episode um, with you around goal setting and intentions um i did a did a talk up at the the kick retreat not long ago and it was really like it resonated with a lot of people and i'm just hoping i can replicate it because i can't even fucking remember how i structured (laughs) it but it was quite good but the the intentions in particular so with journaling it can come in any forms it could be prompts that you're answering it could be just literally putting your thoughts on paper it could be answering certain questions whatever the fuck it is gratitude goals and all that stuff but just setting some form of intentions for the day or for the week and always coming back to revisiting it. So you're very clear, you've got full clarity around exactly what you want to achieve by the end of the day. Revisit that again at night, tick off or put across next to things you did or didn't do. But it's almost just like that reminder of every single morning of like, all right, what are my intentions for the day? Like what is my why at the moment? Yeah. Why am I trying to get in shape? Looking back at the at the weeks where you had a really good week and seeing what you were doing on those days or what your intentions were that that day to allow you to actually have such a good day as well is super powerful. Meditation for me is one that I that I really enjoy. Some people won't get around it, and that's fine. But um, even starting small, whether it's with an app like Calm or whatever it is, just nice and easy at the start, and then gradually extending the time if you're enjoying it. Um, but yeah, it's just the accountability. I think that you know, when I work with clients, the enjoyable bit is being able to check in with them every week. So today's a Friday, so I'm it's my online client check-in day today. And you know, you'll you'll often have clients who check in on a Friday, just you can just tell they're kind of pretty down about how the week has gone and maybe they haven't stuck to what they wanted to do, maybe they haven't seen progress. And often it's just the accountability and the reminder that you are on track, you're doing the things you need to do. Everyone has shit weeks, not every week's gonna be perfect keep ticking the boxes and just think of it in the long term and, and, and don't don't so much put a, a, a timeline as such on on when you should or shouldn't be kind of achieving the goal. Yeah. So with uh, Christmas uh, and the holiday period generally about 14 or 15 weeks away, mm-hmm. um, is it a good time to start thinking about it, start getting in touch with people who might be able to help you, um, start, you know, setting some goals and, and putting yourself in from that, you know, pre-contemplation to contemplation phase yeah definitely and even if it is just starting small like starting to clean up the nutrition a little bit or or start at least having a rough idea of how much you're eating at the moment even if you're not changing how much you're eating but just having a rough idea starting to to move a bit more if you're not doing as much but don't leave it like i said before you don't want to put a strict timeline on when you want to be in shape so if you're someone who feels like they're out of shape at the moment and you look you're looking to get lean for summer or you want to be in good shape for summer starting around now is a great idea because again it takes the pressure and the stress off having to rush into it or trying to achieve something in a really short period of time anytime you're restricted 
on time to achieve a, a body composition goal, you're going to have to do something drastic to achieve it. So the, the longer the time you give yourself, not only will your results be better, but it'll be much easier and much more of an enjoyable process. Yeah, sure. And, and just on the, the holiday, um, Christmas, all that type of stuff, for someone who is taking care of all the things we've talked about already, um, again, it's pretty inevitable that there'll be days where you just blow out, yeah. particularly over the break. And, and I actually recommend it for a lot of my clients. Like there's fucking way more to life than having visible abs. Yeah. So when you're at home for Christmas and you're with family and friends or whatever, and, and I always say to my clients like, don't track on Christmas Day or whatever it may be or whatever, like whatever it is. One, if you are consistently doing the things you know you need to do, that compounding effect over time of ticking the boxes each day, one day, one bad day, a couple of bad days, even a week of kind of going off track is not going to make you look like shit. Yeah. And the most important thing to understand is that one, if you do have one of those days, I talk about having like the goldfish mentality. It's just like forget about it. It is what it is. It's done. The next day, go back to what you were initially going to do anyway. So go back to your normal calorie targets. Go back to whatever training session you were going to do that day. The mistake so many people make is drastically cutting calories, doing a fuckload of training and cardio, yourself, trying yeah. to, trying to, yeah, trying to make up for what they've they've feel like they've lost or or because they feel bad about it. But that's only going to not only lead to a kind of an unhealthy relationship with your training and food, but typically it's going to lead to another episode of binging again within yeah. the near future because you have just deprived yourself most likely for multiple days of food and then all of a sudden you feel like, fuck, and it just comes back to what, what I said at the start you don't want to do mm. is follow an approach which is just not sustainable and not enjoyable. So it is what it is. Your body's not going to gain a shitload of fat overnight. Just go back to normal you most likely have more energy, so your output in your training session should be higher anyway because you've kind of overfed yourself and, and got more calories in your system anyway. So for a lot of people, it, it usually leads to better results yeah. because they're, they're training much more effectively, probably just happier um, and sleeping better. So you'd be surprised at that, that uh, drop in cortisol levels and stuff, what, what that can actually do for your body. Well, I told you before I was pretty motivated to get it back into it, but this coaching call has uh, has really helped me. Good, I hope it has. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for joining me again today, man. We didn't really get into the. What else are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about Mad Mondays and getting back into um, uh, athletes getting back into training. We That's can, right. We can jump into it if you like. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, being September um, and the AFL uh, wrapping up in. Um, in Melbourne, we're seeing some Mad Mondays, and um, love it. <laughs> you do love them. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you see, you see um, publications putting out photos, which I actually don't necessarily agree with. Like, let if they're not in the public eye, let people have yeah. their fun and stuff like that. And it's like they're there for that purpose yeah. to let their hair down to enjoy themselves, enjoy time with each other. I, the thing I don't understand though is with is why they don't just fuck off somewhere by themselves. Yeah, like clubs, hire an Airbnb or them. something somewhere yeah. else or, or just go somewhere that no one knows about that's fully indoors, whatever it may be, to avoid all that. It was an interesting choice as to where um, the dogs decided to yeah. to do it this past week. But Yeah, clubs have sort of started to get a little bit more secretive mm. about it, but just so, like in order to make those big events happen, so many people need to know. Like someone has to book it and, and usually yeah. that's within the club. Yeah. And, and so it does get out. But um, you mentioned the dogs there, and I think it was Zane Cordy who um, was spotted being carried by Libra. Having a nap. Yeah, Libra and another teammate, and um, 
you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great look. But what caught my eyes, I saw um, uh, I saw Jacob Weedering, um on socials in with Jez, Jez, um, yeah, working really hard. Maybe a day before that, and it's just such a massive juxtaposition of like, you know, one player who is you know, not not in a good spot and, yeah. and um, enjoying his Mad Monday like he should and, and um and you know, Jacob's back to work, back in the lab mm. already. Um and I suppose for context as well though, like Carlton finished the week before. Yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah. But yeah, go on. It just got me thinking, um, you know, you work with a lot of elite athletes. Mm. Um and what are your thoughts on, you know, how long elite athletes Let's talk just so there's no confusion. Let's talk like elite athletes in their prime. Yeah, how long they should have off between seasons before it's like right, we're back to yeah. Work. Well, yeah. I mean, like, look, even even in the past week or so, like, I've been in touch with a few of the boys who are, uh, and you typically have like two different types of players. I think, like, obviously they're all elite and professional athletes, but you have those who are just that self motivated and driven that you almost have to pull the reins on them a little bit and, and hold them back from doing too much. Yeah. Whereas you have the others who are almost like have to be spoon fed what they need to do. Um, so, I mean, the season is what they start pre-season, let's say on average start pre-season November, December. Yeah. Most most players, particularly the ones in their prime, finish the season around September. So you've really got like 10 months of the year that you're on as an athlete. Physically yeah. and mentally. So I think initially it's it's super important to have the time away. Time away. Um, I think most players will keep some form of, of structure around at least maintaining, particularly the aerobic um, side of things, and, and they should be maintaining some form of strength, but keep it super minimal, whether it's one or two weight sessions a week um, in this off period, probably keeping in some form of cardio, maybe not. But I think there should be a period of at least two to four weeks where they're just completely away from it all. Yeah. In my opinion, because, because it is such a drawn out year and like starting off season in, or starting pre-season in like November and season starts, what, usually like April, March or April? I have no idea. So that's a, it's a fucking long period of time. And that whole time from November till round one is just physical fucking conditioning, like strength, conditioning, all that type of stuff. So you're working very, very hard physically. And then throughout the season, obviously, yeah, trying to get up and about for games each week after, you know, playing a contact sport, particularly with AFL. But I think it's always super important to have the the mental break and physical break away from the game, whatever sport you're in. So whether it is two, four, two weeks, four weeks, whatever it may be, some, maybe it's probably long, longer for some people, shorter for others. Two weeks as an absolute minimum, in my opinion. Yeah. Then getting back into it, and again, this is just my opinion, but I think we've talked about it, maybe even on the show before, I can't remember who we spoke about it with, but I think that early, early stages, particularly before Christmas, should predominantly be um, strength work. So getting super strong in whatever movements you need to do. A lot of players probably rehabbing from post-season surgeries or whatever it may be. So the strength side of things is significantly important, particularly on whatever areas they need to build on. And then for the conditioning side of things, I think personally a lot of it should be off legs or not weight not weight bearing so not much running not a great deal of of weight bearing um conditioning stuff because there's just really no need you got to keep in mind that once it gets to christmas it might only be a week or two weeks but then then kind of have another break then and then come back in and then almost 
a lot of players obviously maintain their conditioning over their Christmas break, but when they come back, it's probably inevitable that that first week or two back to the club is then kind of rebuilding on yeah. wherever they kind of finished up before Christmas. So prior to Christmas um, or the initial stages of it, um, I, obviously I'm kind of more so leaning towards talking about AFL yeah. here compared to other sports, but um, a lot of strength work, still fun, some form of conditioning, but um, cross-training, so whether it is you know stuff like battle ropes, fucking salt bike, spin bike, whatever it may be, rowing, stuff where they're still increasing their aerobic and anaerobic capacity but not overloading themselves yeah. too early because it's such a long pre-season and then such a long season that you see it so often. Players come into round round one or come into pre-season games and even though they've been doing all this stuff, they still have a bit of a blowout, which is normal. But then four, four or five rounds in, you've got guys doing soft tissue injuries and stuff because they're just fucked. Their bodies are just, just fucked, you know? Yeah. So... Post post Christmas, getting back into it, I think that's when you should really start to ramp up the the conditioning side of stuff with the running. And in my opinion, again, um, obviously there needs to be some forms of running which is not uh, match simulation, but I think a majority of it should be match sim stuff where they've got the ball in hand, they're actually doing the running they're going to do in the game because obviously it's improved a lot over the years and it's continued to evolve, but and you don't have as many pointless running sessions now where they're doing just like you know three five k time trials and stuff which has no relevance to the game in my opinion but um just maximizing whatever conditioning they're doing to as much as like as game specific as possible yeah well you're seeing um, less and less like afl clubs around the tan at like because they, they yeah things are getting smarter and yeah the match gym stuff i think is super beneficial because they're doing exactly what they're going to be doing in the game and building up their conditioning that way but yeah, to answer your question, because I don't even know if I fucking answered it, but um, yeah. I think, yeah, initially it is very important to have the time away. Yeah. Um, whether it's, yeah. And, and as I said, most guys will probably maintain yeah. something. And, and you got to keep, like, they're professional athletes and it's all they've done for the past 10 months. So just naturally people, they're just hardwired to at least continue to take care of themselves. But if you're coming back too early and you're in exceptional shape before Christmas, I mean... I don't see that much of a point in that. Yeah. As someone who's been involved with uh, basketball pre-seasons, I would assume some football pre-seasons, and you've done like say, a, I think you did a 12 or 10-week camp for your fight. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest thing to get ready for or prepare for out of those three? Oh, boxing by far. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, as in physically? Yeah. Um. Did you didn't For me, to- I found boxing because because although I was like my conditioning was quite good, my aerobic capacity was good. Um, for me, it was like a combination. And you know, if I had my time again, I I I would have done it like it just trained with my coach for at least twelve months prior, yeah, and got more rounds um, of practice inspiring and and whatnot before I did a proper camp for a fight. But I was like learning the skill, the skills, and and the. Yeah. I was learning everything to do with boxing along with trying to improve my conditioning in the ring along with getting fucking beaten up, inspiring as well. So physically it was super hard, but mentally it was fucked. But um, I when when I was still playing football and basketball, like I just found – I feel like for basketball I was obviously training an absolute shitload, but all the way up until I moved here for basketball, I'd, I'd also been playing footy pretty much at the same time. So a lot of my conditioning stuff was done more so for football and then basketball, which is kind of the conditioning Great for that just came natural, came natural to me. But I always enjoyed 
I was a bit of a fucking weirdo. Like I loved preseason for footy. Like I, I, I don't enjoy running as much now, but I was just a fucking nut. Like yeah, with right. with the physical fitness side of things. Hence why I've ended up in the the health and fitness space. But I just loved it. Like I loved the hard gut running sessions. I was I'm naturally a much better runner than I am at lifting weights. I've I, like I said, I don't run anywhere near as much now, and and you know, thanks to a bunch of surgeries, I, I probably mechanically aren't as, and not as efficient as what I was when I was younger. But yeah, I just used to just train my fucking ass off for for footy, and that kind of took care of it for for basketball too. Did you did you enjoy the boxing, um, uh, the boxing preparation? I did, but I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm disappointed in myself through the result or the preparation. There is obviously, I mean, obviously I'm disappointed with the result, but I also have the understanding that it is what it is. It's part of the part of the sport. It takes one one shot and doesn't matter how good you've tra- how well you trained or how well you box throughout the fight, you get hit and fucking get hit and that's it. Like yeah. it is what it is. So I'm very disappointed about that, but probably more so disappointed in myself for how I prepped. It's like I I definitely trained hard, don't get me wrong. I trained my fucking ass off for the fight. Um, but because there was so many moving parts with business, with, you know, even like social side of stuff, it was a very, I, I fought in December. So there's a lot of stuff around that time, whether it was birthdays, whether it was all this type of shit. So, um, I, I can definitely say I didn't, I didn't 100% commit to every aspect of it outside yep. of the, the ring, which is what frustrates me because I don't know, I think it was almost like. It's hard to say, almost like maybe a subconscious hesitation to what, like to a built-in excuse sort of thing. Maybe, maybe, which is so bizarre because I'm not, uh, that's the furthest thing from like who I am, yeah. which is what frustrated me the most is like no matter what I've done ever, it's always been 100% commitment both sides. But I think that at that period of my life, um, yeah, I don't know, like I'd, uh, I was in, you know, a new relationship as well. Um, business was super, super um, busy and, and these are all probably just excuses. Not excuses, but it's just kind of like how it is. I, yeah. If I was to do it again, put it this way, if I was, if I was to fight again, um, the commitment outside of the ring and outside of training would be a lot higher. Did it, does it give you a newfound respect for, maybe you already had it, but for fight sports in general and the work oh, that they go through? Oh, fuck yeah. Like, un-fucking-believable, un- like... Can't even put it into words. Like the, I, I fucking loved it. The, the result, fucking, still haunts me to this day in terms of how frustrated I am to have lost. Obviously, but the the, the training and stuff. When I think about it, I fucking like loved it. Like it was just so hard, so hard. And I thought that I was coming into it super fit, but it's just so different to fitness in the ring yeah. and the sparring and stuff. And it's just like it's just like nothing I've ever experienced before. Like sparring would be fucking scary as fuck yeah. like especially early on when like i still remember like my first sparring session i was just like driving to to training just thinking like oh fuck me i'm yeah. about to just get in because I'd, I'd obviously had fights and shooting footy and whatever or not before but to to be standing like in the ring just fucking toe-to-toe with another man who wants to knock you out and you want to knock him out and there's nothing that anyone else is going to do to stop either of that happening it's just a pretty surreal feeling and i, I did love it it's such an adrenaline rush and like so fucking hard and like you're just constantly questioning yourself or there'd be weeks where like I would have really good sparring sessions and, and be a lot of pad work would be good. I'd be actually feeling like my ring movement was really good and, and head movement and all that type of stuff was, was improving a lot and you have a sparring session and get belted up and then you'd leave practice going like, fuck, I'm nowhere near ready or like uh, just doubt yourself. So 
is a combination of mental and physical um, challenge. But I loved it. I would do it. I, I want to do it. I want to fight again. It's a weird one. Like I badly want to fight again. And I'm such a big fan of boxing and UFC. Like I've absolutely frothed it. I watch so much stuff around it and the sport itself I love. I really want to fight again. Um, there's just like a part of me that's kind of going like, why? Because yeah. like it's obviously traumatic for your brain. Um, and again, it's like I, if I was to do it again, I would commit 100%. So it obviously Such takes away from, from business. Yeah. And and it's also, yeah, it's like why risk getting more damage to the brain yeah. just to say you won? But it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, as a, I'm a huge fan too and, and there's a saying in, fight sports like you you play soccer you know you play football you don't play boxing can't play boxing yeah and yeah I, like I, I it's good to hear that the experience that you had mm. and like you know one in a million people would do what you did and like i i sitting here i don't think you should be disappointed in anything that you did it's like i said it's not disappointed with the result because in the end of the day, one person has to win, one person has to lose. And I don't – yeah, it was not that. It was more so – I don't know. The 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 biggest thing that, that I'm not disappointed with, but the biggest regret that I have for it is not having trained with my coach for at least six months prior because I just went into camp. Yeah, right. From doing boxing on the bag at the gym and for fucking footy pre-seasons and stuff. So, like, from day one it was like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to box. Mm. So, you know, having, you know, six, 12 months under my belt with more sparring sessions with fucking just, just a lot more, a lot more familiarity, familiar, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And comf- and feeling of comfort, like in that environment um, would have done me well, but yeah, I'm still super, super happy that I did it. And, and, um, and it was a fucking awesome experience from what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever given you grief about it? Yes. Not, not really. Like because oh. I remember I watched it. Um, I watched it live. Oh really? Um, and I think I messaged you afterwards, and I just said like, no one should ever give you grief about this. Yeah, it wasn't. No one's given me grief about it. Um, at all. I think that's the thing. It's like you can't say shit unless you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, for anyone, to, if yeah, anyone was like going to give me shit, it would have population. to be someone that has fucking been in there <laughs> or whatever. And and yeah, no one's giving me shit about it. It was more so me just being hard on myself. Yeah. Um, and disappointed myself and then the, and then like to be perfectly honest like because I got knocked out like I was it, it kind of fucked me for a little bit like mentally as well because like, yeah most likely due to the to the concussion but like <laughs> I was like for the first couple of months was like super depressed like was like found it really hard to, for like dopamine responses and stuff like that which I would assume was from the from the knockout so again that's that's kind of like why as much as I want to fight again it's kind of it's, it's tough to decide whether or not to do it but Anyway, I did it, and it was and it's just a typical typical me fat fucking fashion. Like I'd never fought before, and decided to fire on a fucking pro it a pro, pro card. Yeah, it was a pro card, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I'm glad I did it. Anyway, awesome, good to chat, okay. with you, mate. Thanks, mate. That was good fun. Could sit here and talk all day, but I hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, this episode. If you have, look, I I would love for you guys. I try not to pro promo promote too much of my um too much of my con my programs and whatnot on the podcast um so i'm not going to do that now but um what i would absolutely love and appreciate is if you guys could leave a rating on the podcast and a review because it does make a big big difference in terms of how much the show is seen by those that don't listen to it already um so i absolutely love recording these for you guys and 
um, I just yeah, it's it's awesome experience, and I and I'm going to continue doing it either way. But it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review and, and rate the show as well. Um, look forward to chatting to you guys again very soon. Have an awesome day.